Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to The Repack, presented by Acme Packing Company. I'm Justice Mosqueda, and I'm joined here by Evan Tex Western. Say what's up, people, Tex. What's up, everybody? Hope uh, hope everybody got what they wanted for Christmas. And uh, God knows the Green Bay Packers sure did this weekend. A couple people didn't get what they wanted for Christmas. I could tell. <laughs> I don't know if you got tagged, too. But there were people in my mentions being like, where's the repack? Where's the repack? Where's the repack? We told you last episode. We're not going to record until the day after. We told you during the Twitter spaces. This shouldn't have been a surprise, but it's, it's <laughs> nice to know that some of you guys really needed this uh, for your for your drive back. Yeah, I, I I appreciate that. Uh people people don't mind us being in their ear holes. So we're we're here. Sorry we're a day late, but uh you know, hope the uh hope if you're driving home you're doing it on Tuesday and and we're we're at a timely uh we're we're showing up in a timely fashion for you. Packers win twenty six twenty. They were underdogs coming into this game. The Dolphins had a two score lead at halftime during the Twitter spaces. I mean, I know the Packers were only down uh, touchdown I believe at that point we were talking like what does a second half win even look like and the defense was getting gashed up so bad that it wasn't even like we couldn't create a clear path to like what it even looks like right like Aaron Jones wasn't getting touches it was clear he was on a pitch count for most of the game in the first half um, Tua was uh, 9 of 12 for 229 yards that's 19 yards per pass Good and a God. touchdown and then magically, two it goes uh, seven for thirteen. That's fifty-four percent, eighty-one yards. That's six yards per pass, and three interceptions. And we're like, "Wow, that's crazy! I can't, I can't believe that happened." I mean, you even had the end of the game situation where they play for the field goal instead of going for it when they had been aggressive, calling shot plays in the middle of the field on fourth and short all game. And you're like, "They must be banking two is going to throw another interception." And lo and behold, they end up getting the third one. Now it comes out Tua might have had a concussion. He's in the concussion protocol. Um, Marcel uh, Lewis Jocks, who I should I should probably nail down that last name a little bit better, considering the fact that he and I play Warzone together. Um, yeah. From ESPN, said that Tua displayed and admitted uh, to having concussion symptoms on Monday. Um, so he's full blown in the concussion protocol. If you guys remember, I mean, obviously there were the rule changes, which is probably how. Most people got to know like Tua has, you know, these concussion type problems. He was in the protocol for uh, two weeks after the Cincinnati Bengals game in week four. And that real bad one where he was just kind of ragdolled in the back of his head, hit the ground. But Adam Schefter, um, I guess speculated is the right word because it's not confirmed that he even has a concussion. He's just in the protocol. He speculated that the play that he got hurt on was actually the last pass completion of uh, the Dolphins' first half. So right the play right before the Raheem Mostert fumble. If you're drawing a line in the sand, like in terms of the stats, I mean, that would make a lot of sense, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that, that fumble was really what changed the whole momentum of the entire game. Um, you're looking at Miami potentially going up by three scores before the half and, and the Packers needing a, a touchdown coming out of halftime just to, to even get back to a two score game. And then all of a sudden, Jaron Reed gets that fumble and, you know, Packers kick a field goal and now they're down seven. They get the touchdown of the half and it's a tie game. And then, you know, all the rest of that second half is, you know, pick, pick, pick for Tua. Um, so that play was that, that those, those two plays, I guess, um, you know, if that concussion was affecting him at all, really changed the entire complexion of, of this game. Um, and nice to see Jaron Reed finally do something. Yeah, you know, in a big no, moment. he actually had a <laughs> he had a solid game. I think PFF yeah. had him one of the highest graded guys. I, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the turnover and stuff. Um, but the Packers offense now well, full blown can score. I mean, so since week 10, right? 31 points, 17. That was against the, the Titans, 33 against the Eagles, which is a good defense, 28 against the Bears, 24 against the Rams. Probably could have gotten another one going in if they didn't kneel it down on with a goal to go situation yep. and then 26 against Miami. And even then that's including, you know, hitting the brakes a little bit, you know, when they, when they could have tried to be a little bit more aggressive. So you're looking at that compared to the front half of the season. I mean, there were two times they scored over 22 points in the first nine weeks of the season. <sighs> like this, this offense could score now. And that was with, you know, Christian Watson missing a lot of, a lot of time out there. Well, both Watson and you mentioned Jones missing, you know, mm-hmm. kind of being in and out of the lineup a little bit. Um, so yeah, they had to, they had to find some, some secondary production from some of these guys. I mean, big dog with a touchdown and that big, uh, 30 yarder up the, up the sideline on the wheel route. Um, that was, that was fun. Um, Rogers having one of those weird games where he, you know, he just drops a couple of absolute dimes. Yeah. You know, that one. And then the one to Lazard for the big 40 yard gain. Um, and then just I, if a Lazard of... could have kept his hand on a couple more of those, I mean, Rogers yeah. threw some crazy balls at him today. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, it, it's been evident in the, uh, participation report since the buy, but like Rogers looks healthier these last yeah. two weeks. And it's also been the only two weeks of the season since that injury in uh, New York, that he's been a full participant throughout all these practice throughout the entire week. So. All you guys who were uh, rooting for draft position, it's been a bit of bad run for you guys with three straight wins. Um, I think the yeah. Packers right now are sitting at 17th. I looked and I was like, best case scenario for the team going into next week, what does it look like in terms of draft position? If all of the team, all of the six and nine teams lose or win and all of the seven and eight teams lose, it still doesn't really help them because their strength of schedule is so damn high. It's yep. only behind the Detroit Lions. Like I think um the the only the highest that they can get going into week eighteen is like the eleventh spot in the draft. We're already talking about the second tier players. Guys, it's it's beyond right. it's beyond that. Root for your team to win at this point. Damn right. And especially with how, how much of a mess the NFC is at this point. Everything. Uh, you tell me. Yeah. I mean every... Heineke just got benched too in Washington. <laughs> who know, who knows what the hell's going on yeah. with that? How many of these teams are? If, let's do a head count. How many team? How many teams are we worried about? If we say we we beat the Cowboys, the Eagles. Now it's come out that Hurts might not play the rest of the regular season, which is yep. what I had heard at, at the first spot. I think he's going to come back for the playoffs. Who knows how healthy he's going to be when that happens? But like, San Francisco's got Brock Purdy. 
How many of these teams are we actually afraid of? Yeah. The Packers are favorites against the Vikings this week. (laughs) Favorites. I don't know, man. uh, This is uh, every, every one of those games feels, feels winnable, especially with this, like you said, this offense actually putting up some points against some, some pretty decent teams. Um, Get in, just get in. And, and at this point, all, all it takes, right? Win two games. Washington loses one game. You are in. Yep. End of story. And the other one is um, the other easy path is, you know, you win out and the Giants get swept. Right. Which is the, the one interesting thing. So the reason we're talking about the Packers playoffs in, in such optimism compared to last week when it was what, like 6% coming into the week, the Giants, Seahawks, Commanders, and Lions all lost on Christmas Eve which is exactly what you should have been rooting for as a Packers fan if you're rooting for the team to make the playoffs. Um, the the one thing that's going to be weird is if you look at the Commanders and Giants schedule, which are like the two teams that you are, have a rooting interest for them, not at least not to win out at the very least, right? The problem is the Commanders and Giants end up getting the Eagles and the Cowboys in Week 18, and there's a possible scenario where if if the Eagles win this week against the New Orleans Saints, that shuts the door on the Dallas Cowboys being able to advance past the five seed, right? So the Eagles will have won the NFC East. You're at the point then, will either team play their starters against the Commanders or Giants? And that's where you really start. Like the two games I would circle to pay attention to if you're a Packers fan and you're watching another game, it's um, the the uh, Saints and Eagles because you want the Saints to end up winning that, because you want the Eagles to have to play in Week 18, because right. if the Eagles are playing for something, the Cowboys are playing for something. And that then puts you know both the Commanders and the Giants game um, at, at risk, I would say, I guess is the best way to put it. And then the other one is uh, Commanders-Browns, because if yes. the Commanders end up losing that, you're literally in a, a, a win and get in in Week 18 if you take care of business against the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, and as we're looking at this too, right? The the sixth seed is still on the table. If you get both of those teams, this is the, the first week I've yeah. had to look around and be like, "Hey, it's not just the seventh seed anymore. Uh-huh. We can actually get in the six. Yeah. yeah. Well, and as I'm as I'm looking at this too, um, you know, Minnesota's got a, a one game lead on San Francisco for the two seed. Packers win on Sunday, that could very well bump Minnesota down below. You know, blow San Francisco on tiebreakers if the 49ers win. So then I feel like you'd much rather get the six and end up playing Minnesota in the wild card sure. round than I want Minnesota than sitting, yes, than sitting at seven and, and having to go to San Francisco instead. Yeah, a hundred percent. And there is still, I think it's, I believe it's a two percent chance when I was playing around on 538 that if the Packers do lose to the Vikings, there's still hope. Um, there is an elimination possibility though. If Washington wins, uh, against the Browns and Green Bay loses, that's it. You're done. The yep. door shut. So probably rooting against that one at the very least. Um, coming into this game, we got a little bit of news, at least since, uh, our last show, Elm Jenkins signed a $68 million four year contract. I believe it pays him like a top five offensive lineman. I think it just goes back to the point of like, we really focused way too much on position when we talked about right tackle or guard with Elton. Like there's a couple guards who are like Quentin Nelson, like Quentin Nelson is not paid like a normal starting guard. It's the same thing at right tackle. Like, I, I don't think there were that many differences between, you know, interior lineman money and right tackle money. He got paid what he was worth. Um, 
He got yeah. some incentives for left tackle, like left tackle accolades, which I think is interesting. Yeah, that that makes me wonder if they if they have something in the works with Bach, right? Like that's that's the first thing that comes to mind um, is if they they think that that maybe they're moving on from him earlier rather than rather than later. I still think you know if I'm if I'm betting that that Bakhtiari is probably back for next year, but I don't see him probably sticking around in green Bay beyond 23, just based on the contract situation. So maybe that's a, maybe some of those incentives are with a look ahead to 24 and beyond. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it's basically left tackle and everything else on the line yeah. when it comes to contract values. So I think you're, you're probably right that we were, you know, we were getting too wrapped around the axle a little bit with, with worrying about, um, you know, what, what position, um, they they see him as in terms of uh, in terms of the contract because I mean for right tackles who who you got is I feel like Lane Johnson's up there and then that's again that's probably pretty much it in that same sort of stratosphere you get you know you got Lane Johnson Quentin Nelson around twenty million a year and now you got Jenkins around seventeen and then there's a you know a nice little drop off to to everybody else who's not a left tackle there's Ramchick uh, I'm looking at the numbers so I have yeah. I have the assistance of that right now. Ramchick and like Brian O'Neill. Um, he got paid right underneath Taylor Moten and Braden Smith, which I think if you're the Packers, you count that as a win because I think he's a better player than than both of those, uh, both of those guys. So, um, nice. paid like the sixth best best uh, offensive tackle in football. Like, I think that's a pretty good deal for both guys. I'm actually kind of surprised. Like, if you're Elton, I, I'm happy he's on the team. Don't get me wrong. Don't don't misunderstand the conversation like that, but. If you're Ellen Jenkins and you're staring down three more games of football and the difference is free agency where we know every single time you hit free agency, you know, you're going to make above market money. Like he must have liked the idea of sticking in Green Bay because yeah. if like Green Bay and the organization were non-factors, if the financially, it makes more sense to take the three game risk and hit free agency because I don't think the team would have. I mean, they certainly weren't in a position to franchise tag him. I mean, we saw what happened yeah. with uh, Devante at the end. The other thing with the Bakhtiari thing, a lot of Bakhtiari's money ends up coming in as a, uh, as a roster bonus. So that roster bonus uh, pays out $10.1 million. It's due on the third day of the league year. So you would figure if Bakhtiari has gone, Rogers is going to have to sign off on that. And if it's triggered the third day of the league year, like, I don't know. Rodgers probably can't be dragging this thing out that yeah. long. I mean, we might have a short little stint, but I know Rodgers' window, his his whole option thing is super weird because I think it goes literally up till week one. So, like, technically, he could have the holdout or, or contract dispute up until week one of the regular season. But, like, these other decisions are going to have to be made before that. And he's probably – I mean, Bakhtiari's, like, his dude. Like, he's going to want to sign yeah. off on that if – Anything does end up happening. Yeah, and with with that roster bonus too, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they do kind of what they've done the last couple of years and just kick the can and convert that to a signing bonus and then spread yeah. it out with a couple of void years or something um, into the next next few years to to drop his cap hit in twenty three because they do still need to make a little bit of extra room for next season with uh, you know with some of those conversions. I think Bach and, and probably Kenny Clark and maybe Aaron Jones are the the three most logical candidates for for that sort of a conversion um but but back to elton um i mean i think we've we've really seen the old elton the last like month yeah 
you know, probably kind of in that same time frame since the Dallas game, since like the Christian Watson breakout is is when we've seen Elton kind of back to being his old self. Um, I don't remember if he had a, a a pressure given up on Sunday against Miami, but I don't think he had given up a pressure on the quarterback in the four games prior to that. And so you're you're seeing him back at his you know, maybe that's maybe that is his best position. Um, certainly it's it's where he's played the most and um has has earned the accolades that he's got the Pro Bowl in twenty twenty. But it definitely feels like after that, you know, those first eight, ten games or so, um now he's back. He seems to be fully healthy and and he's he's back to the player that uh that he was for you know for the first three years of his career. Yeah. I'm really happy that he's on the team. I think now the team with if if they give Nyman a tender, which they obviously should, every yeah. team in the league would do that. I, I think he's going to get a second round tender, which is I think it's around like four or five million dollars somewhere around there. Um, then they'll have, I believe, eleven offensive linemen under contract, and that's including David Bakhtiari. So if Bakhtiari is out of the question, they still have a full NFL offensive line. They have so many guys under contract. Like yeah. I don't even know. Like you got to sign the rookies, right? And then after that, it's like you're kind of playing with house money to a certain extent. I mean, you got to get on base with whatever the hell the safety position is going to look like. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, we talked about the D line really needing numbers, tight end being a question mark. But outside of that, it's like you could probably round out the rest of the roster with draft picks, considering the way Good is going to use just going to keep guys and they're just going to be on the end of the inactive. Um, going into this week. They said Bakhtiari potentially could have practiced. He didn't end up actually practicing. They officially ruled him as a, as doubtful instead of out. Two weeks ago, LaFleur was talking about how, you know, Bakhtiari doesn't need a lot of practice to be able to play games, which, you know, evidence of this season alone. I think he might be able to go this week, just the way that, like, they're consistently talking about it more optimistically. And it feels like the moment Bakhtiari steps on a practice field, like, he's going to be – able to play games at that yeah. point like that's the threshold if that makes any sense yep yeah and that'll be um you know hopefully if this team does you know win these next two games and get in i i hate to be the guy who you know going back to last season but I, it would be nice to get him back out there again before a playoff game yeah. um but at least in this case it's it's for a very different reason um <laughs> yeah. not not dealing with all the you know all the fluid in the knee and everything that, that came along with that, that discussion last season. So um, just, you know, to get him, get him back acclimated to the, to, to being, being back after a, a couple of weeks off. Um, but yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think, the, right. The instant he's back in the practice field, that probably means he's playing. And, um, and I mean, let's, let's give another round of applause for Zach Tom for, yeah. You know, for, for holding down the fort as a, as a fourth round rookie during these couple of wacky uh, stints where he's had to come in and fill in for a couple of weeks at a time and doing it at, at a couple of different positions. Yeah. Not sipping on uh, Sean Ryan's in raid <laughs> in the locker room. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're about to face two pretty good pass rusher or edge rushers. Um, not, not in just Minnesota, Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith, who everyone's aware of, but like, James Houston, the kid out of Jackson State's doing really good for Detroit right now, opposite of uh, Hutchinson. And then I believe they still have Charles Harris, who's doing pretty solid for them too. So, like, yep. these are some pretty tough edge battles that they're going to get um, these next couple games. 
The other guy I wanted to mention, because I talked about how I was going to need to spend some time trying to figure out what a contract comparison for him was going into, uh, or we talked about this last week, Keyshawn Nixon. I, I think the market for a return man like him is going to be somewhere around $12 million over two years. So $6 million per year. It's probably around what what you're going to have to pay. He's a guy who probably too, I mean, he's, if he does sign, he's going to go into the season as your nickel corner, right? And Yep. Um, or not your nickel, but your dime, because you know Stokes is going to come back and Russell is probably going to mm, kick in. Yeah. But then, who knows? I mean, Russell might have to end up playing safety with how some of these rotations end up working out. Like, I don't know. I could see them doing that. Like, if you're going to create cap space, you create it for a guy like that. I'd rather do that internally than go sign some big. Just make all these moves so you can sign one parentheses one big free agent. For sure. And and we've seen just the the impact that he's been able to have, Nixon has, on this team emotionally with, with some of those big returns that he's broken off. Um, and oh, we were just, hooting and hollering that, that big oh, one man. early on in the game. God, if he had I, – I, I looked it up today. If he had taken that one all the way back, that would have been the Packers' first kickoff return touchdown since Randall Cobb in week one of 2011 in his rookie year. God. That was the last time they've got a Cobb was the touchdown. first 90s kid to score a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the point of reference. And that, that just, that kind of tells you how bad the return game has been in green Bay for the last decade plus. Um, it, it's, it's such a rare weapon, even in the NFL this year, there's, there's only been three return touchdowns in the entire NFL all season long, um, at least on kickoff returns. So when, when you've got a guy who very well might be like the all pro kick returner this year, yeah. Um, he, he certainly, I mean, he's, he's back to leading the league now in, in kick return average, like 27 and a half yards per return, which is ludicrous in this day and age. Um, I don't know if you're an all pro voter, how you really vote for anybody else. And, yeah. and that's, that's with him doing it over the course of basically what, eight games. So you, you can't, I, I think you can't let a guy like that with that kind of, explosive ability and, and game-changing ability get away not for not for a number like six million dollars a year yeah and for a point of reference Russell signed a three-year deal but if you just look at his first two years it's pretty similar to Russell's first two years and Russell came into the season as what their corner three so I mean that's you know kind of in line with that market right like he's gonna yeah. be a backup cornerback who can play defense, but is for sure going to be a special teams guy for you. So I don't know. I'd probably do it yeah. um, after writing all that stuff out. I'd probably do it. I mean, obviously you got to find the money somewhere. You got to convert some of these things. I mean, even I think Bach save you, saves you like $6 million. So like questions like Bach and Zach Tom or Zach Tom and, uh, and, and Nixon, but then, you have to do all the math on like the future money and stuff like that, that you'd be giving Pac and stuff like that. I don't know. I think it makes sense to bring him back. Um, Let's take a break. And then uh, we'll actually talk about this game and get into vibe checks. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. All right. Offensively. What the hell are we going to do about this team calling bombs on fourth and short? Because I can't do it. They literally ran nine eight nine, which is like old school numbering system, right? Nines are uh, are go routes, and eight is a post, right? They, those old Cowboys teams used to always talk about running bang eights and stuff like that with Michael Irvin. That was the big missed one with like uh, Christian Watson deep downfield that that Rodgers just couldn't hold. But they called nine eight nine again. I couldn't remember if it was on fourth. Or third, I think it was a short. third short, yeah. But they kept doing it. Uh-huh. Enough. You need two yards. This, this. If offense, you're gonna call the RPO, uh, that's when you do it. Exactly. the 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 offense's situational play and and play calling just continues to confound me, right? Because they went two for five in the red zone in this game, scoring touchdowns. They were two two for fourteen on third downs. And then three for five on fourth downs. One of those was the fake punt, and then the other one was the the Watson bomb. Like, there's there is no excuse for to me for not getting into the end zone after that Nixon return down to the you know inside the ten yard line. Um, and and that one I I think is probably more just Rogers eating the ball rather than throwing out the back of the end zone. So that's a whole different animal. But but just some of the play calling decisions in some of those key situations just continues to be maddening and confusing. And we keep seeing some of the same issues over and over and over again, it seems like, um, and, and so much of it in the red zone. I don't understand how this team can be struggling in the red zone so badly compared to where they were even just last season. And, and last season, it was a drop off from the year before. From the Yep, exactly. So it's, it's been a, a steady decline. I don't know what it, I'm not, I, I don't know what's going on there, but that's the biggest concern that I have moving forward is against you know, third downs, fourth downs, and then red zone conversions. Um, they, it's, it's a damn good thing that Lafleur was as aggressive on fourth downs as he was in this game. Um, because that bailed him out of a couple of situations. I think both touchdown drives, the, the touchdown to big dog was on a fourth and goal at the one. And then the touchdown drive coming on, uh, out of the, out of halftime early in the third quarter, they got a fourth and uh, fourth down conversion. I think that was the one to Watson um, to keep those drives alive. So it seems like every, every scoring drive has to, you know, has to have a big, um, like a big fourth down conversion for them to, yeah. 
to to manage to to keep moving the ball down the field and that's my biggest concern moving forward especially if there's any long-term concern with watson right because he's your he's basically your explosive play generator at least in the passing game and um without that you're gonna have to kind of keep dinking and dunking down the field like like they have been all season long and um they've got to start converting third downs with a little more consistency and i think one thing that sucks with the watson injury is like he replaced, he literally replaced Watkins. Like he replaced that role entirely. And now Watkins isn't here. So what, what does that end up looking like? I, I assume like Allen's going to probably have to play X, but then like what are teams going to do to you from like a let's just play man against them again yep. perspective? Is it back to like Dobbs needs to beat him with route running and stuff like that? Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, That'll be interesting I mean, to watch. Yeah, we got to keep an eye on on Watson's status this week. I mean, it sounds like the the updates today were that he's day to day, and so hopefully that means he'll have a chance to you know to get out there and practice this week and play on Sunday against Minnesota. Because yeah, they uh, they need that um, they need that speed to to challenge the the Vikings secondary, and they need him to to be able to block on the edge the way he's been doing. The other two big ones, um, obviously Aaron Jones, who is on like a pitch count he was in, you know, throughout the game, but they didn't want to get him involved that much. We've actually seen a pretty like extended look of Patrick Taylor recently. He blocks well. This is what I was talking about the entire preseason. I was like, look, he can run inside and he blocks really well. They had him playing a couple wing reps where, you know, he's helping uh, chip a pass rusher. Like he's a, he's a tight end. That was really fun to see. And then Josh Nyman, um, who was the other guy who was called day to day, um, by Matt LaFleur today on recording this on a Monday. Um, he left the game and Royce Newman had to come in and say more Royce Newman. They're like definitely the weak link on the offensive line from the moment he stepped on the field. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no secret at that point where, um, you know, where teams are going to attack because. Um, Could you imagine yeah, him against the Darius? Please. No. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't need that. I, no. I need. I need Yash to be healthy. Yep. I need Bach potentially to play if Yash isn't healthy because yeah, Zach Tom then, needs to fill in on whoever's out. I, you, we you, can't have both of them out. You read my mind exactly. Um, want to want to go back to your your mention of Patrick Taylor real quick though, and and his blocking. Did you see that rep where it was the Mercedes, uh, the the floater up the sideline where he was ready to release into the flat. And then he saw the blitzing linebacker coming out of the corner of his eye and he got back and got the, got enough of the linebacker to, to give Rogers just enough time to escape the pocket and get that throw off. Yeah. Just a, a crazy, crazy, great play from, from Taylor. He's um, an NFL football player, man. Just keep yep. him on the roster. Yep. If no one wants to pick him up off of the practice squad, that's their problem. I'm sure he's better mm-hmm. than other running backs in the league. Just keep For him sure. in house. For some reason, our guys never get poached. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't. I can't remember when the last Packer to get. I don't know if it's happened in the two years I've been here at APC. I can't think of one. Yeah. yeah. So know. weird. Um, I pulled up an old tweet that breaks down coaches and kind of their responsibilities in terms of like the situational splits. So last year, Aaron Rodgers said this. Last year was Getzey, who's obviously now the offensive uh, coordinator with the Chicago Bears. He's he was the quarterback coach at the time. He was doing third down, Steno and Butkus. Um, the offensive line coaches at the time, Steno's OC now, was doing run game. Nathaniel Hackett, then the red offensive zone. coordinator, who is now out of the job, he was doing the red zone. Yep. Do we hate the idea? Like, we we already gave, uh, what's his name, the 
uh, Aubrey Pleasant, the old DC for the Detroit Lions. He got fired midseason. We hired him as an offensive analyst, um, basically to like reverse engineer defenses. Three weeks in. or two weeks left in the season. Like, do it. What the hell? Does it pay hack? I mean, maybe he wants to spend time with his family. There's only two <laughs> weeks left in the season, but like, if Hackett's willing to take the job and just like drop goofy plays for red zone stuff, let him. Yep. Let him and yep. pay whatever it needs to be. Yep. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. You 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 read my mind. I was I was going to suggest the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Offensive vibe check. Feeling pretty good unless. Again, they can score points, right? They're scoring points like they were not able to do in the first nine weeks of the season. Rodgers has looked healthy since the bye. The wide receivers seem to have gelled. The offensive line seems to have gelled after all that damn growing pain on the early end. I'm feeling good other than the fact that Royce Newman might come in and absolutely break my heart. Um, I'll go with like a seven and a half just because of the injuries, but it, it'd definitely be higher if if not for that. Yeah, I'm. I was gonna say I'm pretty concerned both with the Nyman injury and with Watson. So that has me. That has me at like a six, six and a half. Just the the those two kind of you know both could be you know real scheme changing um, injuries if if they really aren't able to go this week. So that's my my biggest concern. And like I said, I'm still worried about that red zone offense. Um, just. They they need to find a little more consistency there, but um, again, at least they're they're getting they're they're moving the ball and they're they're getting into scoring positions. Um, so they're they're coming away with points, but um, yeah, would just like to see some of those be be sixes instead of threes. Defensively, three picks, but again, I still don't know. Like, what did we watch? I don't even know what I watched. Like, was Tua concussed or not? Can we learn anything from that yeah. performance? And I, I don't know. I don't know either. And they made a ton of changes. And his games yeah. got, got 13 snaps. Tariq Carpenter got three snaps. Ford was benched for Savage. Nixon ended up going out. Um, the team ended up using safeties in nickel instead of uh, another corner off of the bench once Nixon went down. Yeah. Devontae Wyatt got 24 snaps uh, to Slayton's 20. Uh, Dean Lowry got injured really early in the game like – there were so many changes and no one in the NFL plays the way the Miami dolphins do. And we don't even know the status, like what the status of their quarterback was that like, I'm not taking anything out of this game. Right. I completely agree. Yeah. This was, uh, they, they kind of had to throw the kitchen sink out in the second half in the secondary, at least. For sure. Um, I, I didn't even realize, I think I even put in the recap that I thought that, uh, I, I thought I had missed somewhere that Ford got injured. I didn't realize he just got straight up benched. Um, and they didn't even play him as the nickel. I mean, they went straight to was, Carpenter. I don't know if it's just because he hasn't gotten yeah. reps there or. I don't know. Or, or at least, you know, if you're going to do that, you could, you could bring him in as your, as the safety in dime and move Savage back into the slot or something. Um, I, I don't know that, that one, that one threw me a little bit. So. Also, um, did they bench the right safety? Cause Adrian Amos was getting torched. I mean, I know that they're, the the plays he was getting torched on, it's a foot race against guys who are way faster than him. Yeah. Like if Tua can see that pre-snap, he's gonna complete it and they're gonna run away. But like Amos wasn't looking good in that game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe bench him. I can't I don't know. <laughs> LaFleur said that Savage handled it well and he was ready for the moment and all that stuff. And 
I just hope Savage gets, I mean, if he's going to start down the stretch, I hope he gets better down the stretch too. Cause again, he's going to make like $9 million next year. So pretty significant. He might be the biggest contract they can't touch, right? Like the biggest yep. one they can't convert or anything like that going into the season and is fully guaranteed. Yeah, I think so. Um, we also learned the answer to the question, what does it take for Devontae Wyatt to finally get a decent snap count? And the answer is an injury to Dean Lowry, apparently. Um, and again, I thought Wyatt looked pretty darn good. He had a couple of really nice plays. plays. Yeah. Keep feeding him. Yes. I don't, we're going to keep, we're going to keep beating that drum until he's uh, in the starting lineup as, as a regular. Like we may have to keep beating it until week one of next season or beyond then, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep banging the drum. So Slayton got 20 snaps. Wyatt got 24. Slayton had been out snapping Wyatt throughout the season up until this point which then brings me back to the same point I've been making every single week of what the hell does Jonathan Ford do on this football team? He was inactive <laughs> again. He is the third string nose guard. That's all he does. And mm-hmm. he's worth a, he eats a, what? he eats a spot on the 53 and that's it. We've never needed the third. Like Tyler Lancaster was playing special team snaps because we never needed him as the third nose guard. Yep. What are we doing? I don't get it. I mean, maybe next year he takes a huge step, but like, He's a fourth round host tackle who wasn't very athletic or productive coming out. Like he's just a big guy. Yeah. I don't know. You're telling me you couldn't have used that snap, that roster spot on, you know, another D back or, or just another defensive end on a Jack Heflin or something. I was going to say another defensive lineman. (laughs) I would have been cool with another defensive lineman, not named Jonathan Ford. Yeah. Uh, Oh man. Defensively. I, again, I'm not taking any, like any narratives out of this game at all, other than they definitely spazzed on the secondary in in the second half, which is not a good sign. Yeah. So like I'm gonna go like a five. I don't think they know what the hell they're doing still. Joe Barry's butt is still firmly on the hot seat, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We're no, still I... in the like, if you can't win a playoff game, you're going home for sure. I yes. feel like that needs to be the line. I completely agree. I think can 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 my vibe check just be a question mark? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with that. I yeah. don't. Yeah, I don't think there's been any weirder <laughs> half for any side of the ball than the second half defense for this team in this game. Yeah, um, just bizarre. I so again we mentioned Christian Watson, Yash Nyman, uh, Keyshawn uh, Nixon, all called day to day by Matt Lafleur on Monday. Probably not going to get an update on that until Wednesday when they have to do the injury report. I don't think Lowry was asked about in the presser today, um, as far as I know from from the notes that I wrote from the presser. Um, Aaron Jones is going to be another one to watch. Uh, it's a must-win game against the Minnesota Vikings. Games to watch this week. Philadelphia, New Orleans, you want to root for the Saints. Cleveland, Washington, you want to root for the Browns. Um, I know those – you know, making your bed with New Orleans and Cleveland is, you know, not, not the best bed partners in terms of morality <laughs> there. Um, Google New Orleans Saints owner church, and uh, you'll, you'll see some interesting things about the Saints, too. They're three-point favorites against the Minnesota Vikings, who are 11-1 in close games. The Vikings are massive frauds. I can't wait to yep. talk about it with the Reef this week. Oh, um, it, that's that's going to be a must-listen pod on Interceptor this week. He's just going to say, so this is your Super Bowl, and I'm going to say yes. 
unabashedly. <laughs> no, this is no. our third Super Bowl. Our our Super Bowl is going to be is when, the playoff we get, game. when we get in the playoffs, and hopefully we uh, draw the Vikings again and get to knock them out of the playoffs after you know scraping in by the skin yeah. of their teeth in in the last couple of weeks. Could a, could any potential playoff loss other than to the Vikings hurt you? Because it could not hurt no. me. I'm no. full 2016 mode. I remember watching the Falcons Green Bay game and being like laughing at how bad, how, how mismatched the teams were. I mean, like we should not be here at all. And that's kind of how I feel about this postseason. Mm-hmm. other than if we could beat the Vikings and just make fun of them for never winning anything ever. Absolutely. Yep. Punch down straight yep. punch down mode. Yep. All right. Um, what was your favorite gift from Christmas? Oh man! I mean, besides the the Packers win, um, we got a bunch of there's there's a couple of fun things. I got a couple of good new bottles of whiskey to to try out, so that's always uh, that's always a winner. And then uh, got a whole little couples massage thing that uh, oh, nice. that my fiance got. So we're gonna wait we're gonna, wait for her to pay for her own she, massage. Happy hey, head, look, bloody play. She's 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 no. Uh, She's no dummy. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> I did. No, I did the same but... thing. Addie got an espresso. Nice. So there I you also go. got an espresso. No, that's how that's how that one worked out. Yeah. So that will be. Uh, that'll be. That'll be really nice after. Um, you know, after kind of things wind down here after the holidays to just, you know, chill out a little bit and and get a little relaxation in. So we're. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. Well, keep it tuned to the site this week, guys. Um, injury reports going to be super important. Again, we'll we'll probably have um, some sort of like what to watch for this week. Rooting, you know, just talking about how you should root for yep. the Saints, Browns, all that stuff. Hopefully, we don't get any bad news. The Packers have an open practice squad spot that they haven't filled in like two weeks, so maybe we get someone signed on Tuesday. Outside of that, uh, go pack, go, go pack, go. <laughs>